I had a wonderful time. I stayed, uh, the first time I stayed in El Dante and the second time mm -hmm. I stayed in San Salvador. And amazing people, amazing food, amazing surf. I surfed for the very first time. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. And you know, it's so interesting. It was, it was almost a year ago last year that I went for the first time. And there are so many misconceptions about El Salvador. Like when I told some of my friends that I was going, the first question I got is, oh my gosh, are you going to be safe? Why, why are you going? You know, are you going to be okay? And, um, and people were surprised when I was posting the actual hotel because I was staying at the same place as Max and Stacy. They were also mm -hmm. posting where they were. And I never felt like I was in danger at all. In fact, the very opposite. I felt like it was very safe with very kind people. And it was really inspiring to see this circular economy where everyone is familiar with Bitcoin. They transact in Bitcoin. They ask for Bitcoin. And, um, and I have a lot of hope that this will bring not only change and opportunity, but also investment in, in the country where people don't have to leave. I, I, I heard a lot of stories from from the Salvadorians that I met that they had to you know leave um, and send money back. And now they're focusing on staying and building within their communities. And if they leave, they eventually want to you know come back. So come back. I, I, I thought it was a really a, a wonderful place. I'd love to go back soon. Um, I'm waiting for Mr. Bukele to sit down for a formal interview. I got to meet with him. I got to sit down and do a, a talk with him, but we haven't sat down for an official What's interview. The... So I hope that happens as well, because I would love to hear about his plans and his background and the Bitcoin bonds and all of that. But we, we got to talk a little bit in, in his office and it was really interesting. I mean, he was a businessman before and he's been in Bitcoin since about the year I, I've been in it since 2017. So mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know his backstory and I would love to love to share it. Hello guys, this is the second episode of Bitcoiners, the Bitcoiner, the podcast for Bitcoiners from the Salvadorian to the world. And uh, today we have Natalie Brunel here. So first of all, thank you for he being here. Thank you for your time and uh, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> thank you. So, okay, I want, I want to know a little bit um, about your background and uh, yeah, I know that you're from Poland. Yes. Yeah, I was born in Poland and my family came to the United States when I was five years old. And it's a really interesting story that I love to be told by my parents because my mom dreamed about coming to the U.S. ever since she was young. She watched a lot of um, American movies and she always wanted to come here for the American dream. Uh, she knew that there was more opportunity here. And she grew up in under communism. So, you know, mm -hmm. the stories of their childhood, my mom and my dad's, is, you know, crazy. They, they would have to wait in line for food. And my mom remembers one time where she was waiting in line for groceries and I was a baby and they ran out of food by the time she came to the to the front where it was her turn and I started to cry and the woman that was in front of her turned around and gave her some of the food that she got I mean so so you know a lot of us in in uh, the west we can't even imagine growing up in those types of circumstances but they were very real and they are very real for for people in different places around the world so 
Uh, we came here when I was five and my parents were in there. My mom was 38. My dad was 41 and they started over. They didn't know the language. Um, they, you know, started different jobs than they had in Poland and they just worked really, really hard to provide a better life for myself and for my brother. And, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it makes me so proud to think about them because they never asked for any help. They always were very, you know, I have to pick myself up. I have to work hard and I have to provide a life for my, for my kids and, and so that they have a, a better future than the one I had. And they're just really good people, really hardworking. And I always, you know, was driven to make them proud. I, I, you know, I tried to do well in school and all of that, but I didn't realize what they had suffered and why until I really learned about Bitcoin. It made me understand money and, and different government structures. And so I'm really grateful because it made me appreciate so much more what they went through and what, you know, hopefully we, we never experienced living here. Well, I, I feel related with that because I'm, I'm from El Salvador, so I know a little bit about that. Um, so, and exactly, um, in 2021, we made Bitcoin legal tender, but well, actually before that, I, I studied Bitcoin way before, but, uh, once when you see it in action, like in a national state, uh, you see the difference. And actually, I don't know. I feel recalled because, for example, in El Salvador, all Latin America, we have like a high inflation, you know, and we have mm -hmm. seen, for example, we had colon in the past and uh, and because of the inflation and another factors, the, the war that we have uh, in the past, uh, the civil war, uh, we have seen how uh, the saving mm -hmm. from our, our grandparents, uh, even our parents, uh, yeah. go away. So, and then we have the dollarization, but the dollar... I mean, it was just um, it, it was not it was not the solution. It was just like a, a short term thing. Yeah, my yeah. parents would tell me stories about how they would go to other countries. They would, you know, bring merchandise back that they would sell in Poland, and everyone was on you know a different currency. It was before the euro, and you know, I think one thing that made me really passionate about not just Bitcoin, because I didn't know about Bitcoin at the time, but trying to figure out how our financial system works is because my parents, when they came here, they thought that in America, you know, once you get here, if you work really hard, as long as you get, you know, a good job and you work hard and you play by the rules and pay your taxes, that you can provide a good life. They didn't realize that everyone here has to own assets. You have to get your ha your hands on real estate or stocks. Otherwise, oh. your, your actual money, you can't save in the bank because it just loses purchasing power. And so they finally were able to purchase their first house um, in the early 2000s right before uh, mm -hmm. basically it was, it was actually 2004 or 5 and then mm -hmm. the financial crisis hit and just mm -hmm. as just as quickly as they got the house they lost it overnight you know i saw i saw them have to start all over again and i didn't understand why and i didn't understand why all these banks you know these big rich guys were bailed out by our government and then the you know, the average working class, middle class person in America, a lot of them lost their homes, including my family. So when I found Bitcoin, it was like this, like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't, I didn't know how all of this worked and how corrupt it was and how manipulated and unfair it was. And now we have the chance to build something better, something that's more fair for everybody. And so that's why I'm really passionate about Bitcoin. I see that you have a Bitcoin standard 
from yeah reading. yeah actually yes. that, yeah that, that that book really changed my my life um you know safening yeah safening safening's book um it's so funny i i resisted it for a little bit i so i learned about bitcoin in 2017 i was working as a tv journalist and uh some of the people that that were in my social network they were talking about bitcoin so i purchased a little but i didn't know what it was i thought it was like a stock i thought i could lose it you know it could go to <laughs> yeah. zero it could be hacked all of the things that people worry about and I, I told one of my mentors um, that I'm very close with that I bought Bitcoin and he went on Amazon and found the Bitcoin standard, you know, it was the first book that came up yeah. and he kept telling me, he said, you need to read this book. You need to read this book. It's like everything that we talk about, you know, you, you're, you're, you're going to love, you know, everything that this stands for and, <laughs> and silly me, I just wish I could like, you know, knock myself over the head because back then I, I thought the Bitcoin standard was going to be about, you know, computer science or some sort of like techie, difficult computer programming book. And mm -hmm. so I didn't read it for like a year. And then when I finally did, it was, oh my gosh, this is the history of money. This is what money printing is. This is why there is so much inequality. This is what's happened to countries over the, you know, the decades, the centuries. Um, and so it was really, I have two copies. In fact, I have another one. What? <laughs> I'm, I've I've read it a couple of times. It's really it's my favorite book to recommend to people. I think yeah, Safanine so is so brilliant too. and yeah. I have to oh you don't see yeah. it. <laughs> it's so it's good. good. I recommend yeah, it to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So uh it was in, in this book when you had your aha moment or you have yeah. another Okay. It was when I read this. Yeah. So then, so then I just went, Oh my gosh, I have to focus all of my energy on learning about this. And, um, that's, that's when I started to just consume everything, every book, every podcast, every YouTube page. I became more active on Twitter and, and I re reached out to everyone. I reached out to Safedine. I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to know mm -hmm. who they were, why they, why they, uh, had conviction in Bitcoin. So that started, this started my journey. Yeah. That's that's why I actually am starting this project because I see a lot of people going to my country, of course, because uh, El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender. But I want to know, I want mm -hmm. to meet these people. Who, who, who are you? What are you doing? I, I want to meet mm -hmm. because we are on the same journey, right? So, yeah. but everyone has different approach, different inspirations. Someone's yes. uh, look at the perspective, uh, the economic perspective, or the from developer perspective. But at the end, we all have. In some in some moment of her life, this aha moment of, mm -hmm. of the Bitcoin. So yeah, it's amazing. And uh, I wanted to ask you before your podcast, Coin Stories. Uh, you had another podcast, right? I, I mm -hmm. think it's called how was it called? The Career Story. Podcast. Career Story. Yeah, that's yeah. you know that's why that's why the podcast is called Coin Stories. So I was a I was a television journalist, and mm -hmm. I left my job just. Um, it's only been like a year and a half since I left my job to focus on this full time. But while I was doing the TV job, I started a podcast called career stories because, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you work in television, you spend all day, you know, let's say eight hours or longer working on a story that airs on television for two minutes. So you have eight hours or nine hours com condensed into two minutes. And so you can imagine you, you learn a lot, you meet a lot of people, you have interesting talks, 
And the audience only sees so much because you're part of a longer show and you only get a little time segment. And so some of the interviews that I would have, you know, they're long and they're interesting. And I would start listening to podcasts because I just like the long format interviews. And so I just decided, why don't I start one? I really like long form interviews. And I decided to interview people who achieved success, you know, whether they were in media, journalism, television production, politics social media influencers. I started to talk to them about, you know, who they were, what their backgrounds were, what obstacles they overcame, what struggles they had, and how they ultimately achieved success and their advice for for people that maybe want to do the same thing. And it was very inspiring and, you know, it was just it was just fun. It was like a hobby. And so when I learned about Bitcoin after I read this, my mentor and I we were talking and he said, "Why don't you interview the Bitcoiners, you know, the people like Saifedean and the people who are um, doing these shows and getting the word out there and investing in it, ask them about their backgrounds. And I thought, what a great idea. So I, I intended to only do a season, like, you know, it would be career stories, but just a, a 12 episodes, coins, I'll call it coin stories. I'll try to get the 12 okay. biggest people who will talk to me and that's it. I'll just, you know, continue on my job and, you know, What's crazy is it turned into my job. <laughs> so, oh, that's amazing. I hope it's, you know, I hope that's inspiring for people in some mm-hmm. way. You know, this space is growing, growing quickly. People are interested. People want to learn. And so um, I'm very grateful that now I get to do it as my career. Yeah, that's amazing. Actually, uh, congratulations. Well, you have Thank such, you. Amazing, such amazing interviews, but one of my favorite was uh, with Whitney Webb. I, I oh, know that's yeah. not so related with Bitcoin, but still, it, it was a great interview. So congratulations. But yet it is so related, right? It's like, you know, yeah. she's talking about all this government control and corruption. And basically, we have very few potential solutions. And Bitcoin yeah, is true. the best one that we have. <laughs> Bitcoin fixes this. <laughs> yes. Big- <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, actually, I was going to ask you what's your goal with uh, CoinStory, but you already told me. So, yeah, but that's amazing. And uh, so uh, that was your your first step from your career. And then you have the opportunity to want to El Salvador, right? You, you, you yes. visit El Salvador. How was your experience yes. there? Um, yeah, I had never been. And what a beautiful country. I had a wonderful time. I stayed... Uh, the first time I stayed in El Dante and the second time mm-hmm. I stayed in San Salvador and amazing people, amazing food, amazing surf. I surfed for the very first time. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. And you know, it's so interesting. It was, it was almost a year ago last year that I went for the first time mm-hmm. and there are so many misconceptions about El Salvador. Like when I told some of my friends that I was going, the first question I got is, oh my gosh, are you going to be safe? Why, why are you going, you know, are you going to be okay? And, um, and people were surprised when I was posting the actual hotel because I was staying at the same place as Max and Stacy. They were also Mm -hmm. posting where they were. And I never felt like I was in danger at all. In fact, the very opposite. I felt like it was very safe with very kind people. And it was really inspiring to see this circular economy where everyone is familiar with Bitcoin, they transact in Bitcoin, they ask for Bitcoin. And um, and I have a lot of hope that this will bring not only change and opportunity, but also investment in, in the country where people don't have to leave. I, I, I heard a lot of stories from 
from the Salvadorians that I met that they had to, you know, leave um, mm -hmm. and send money back. And now they're focusing on staying and building within their communities. And if they leave, they eventually want to, you know, come back. So come back. I, I, I thought it was a really... A, a wonderful place. I'd love to go back soon. Um, mm. I'm waiting for Mr. Bukele to sit down for a formal interview. I got to meet with him. I got to sit down and do a, a talk with him, but we haven't mm -hmm. sat down for an official What's interview. He? So I hope that happens as well, because I would love to hear about his plans and his background and the Bitcoin bonds and all of that. But we we got to talk a little bit in, in his office and it was really interesting. I mean, he was a businessman before and he's been in Bitcoin since about the year I, I've been in it since 2017. So mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know his backstory and I would love to love to share it. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you that if, if you have, um, if you made an interview to him, was was he approachable? How how was it like? <laughs> yes, very very approachable, very kind. Uh, I got to visit him in his office and just sit down and introduce myself. And <laughs> I formally sort of requested to to sit down with him, you know, in an interview eventually. Um, yeah. The timing timing was not really on my side because if you can actually remember, right after that, not only did everything cascade down with the price with Bitcoin, but also a mm -hmm. lot of the violence broke out. So he's mm -hmm. obviously been very very busy mm -hmm. um but you know i would i would love to sit down with him i find him to be really interesting because he really is tackling issues as a leader in such a different way right i mean this is a currency he's adopting that he can never manipulate control inflate he can never he can never have any say in what happens ultimately with bitcoin and I think that his his journey to discovering it, learning about it, he's read the book like the Bitcoin Standard. It's really it's really fascinating. And you know, um, for so long, a lot of people in El Salvador they didn't see hope, they didn't see a way forward that was safe and prosperous. And now things are changing. And everyone that I talked to in the country was very pro Bukele and some of the things that they've been seeing. So. At the same time, you know, I, I'm not someone who believes that we should have heroes in, you know, political leaders necessarily, because yeah. um, we don't always know someone's agenda long term. And I think sometimes, you know, our heroes can really disappoint us. But I, I also think that this is revolutionary and very progressive of him to adopt Bitcoin. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see what will happen, especially when we're in the next bull market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one last question about El Salvador. What do you like the most? Coffee? How would you try pupusas? Oh, the coffee was great. I did have pupusas. You know, I really, I loved the hotel that we stayed at in El Zante. Um, uh, and Garden El Zante? Yeah, yeah, Garden Hotel, yeah. Garden. They had great food and I got to surf and I've never surfed before. And, you know, it was so beautiful. Um, the water is warm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's warm. Exactly. <laughs> I, I lived in California for so long and like the Pacific is beautiful, but it's so cold. It's, it was always too cold for me to surf. Um, so El Salvador is beautiful. And the sunset, I will never forget the sunsets that I saw from that from that. El Zonte oh. Beach. It was so, so beautiful. And the people are amazing. So I can't wait to go back. Oh, perfect. So um, a little bit with Bitcoin. If anyone with zero knowledge about, about Bitcoin and is watching this, uh, how do you explain to these people uh, the difference between Bitcoin, fiat, and cryptocurrency in simple terms? 
Oh gosh, I know that's always the challenge, right? How do you? Um, Well, I see a lot of similarities between fiat and crypto, where there are oftentimes very few people making the decisions for everybody else. Um, So, so Bitcoin is the very first form of money that's decentralized, just like the internet. It has no headquarters. No one is in power just mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's scarce. There's only going to be 21 million. And so when we look at our money today, basically you push a button and you can create more of it. That's what our central bank does. And today most of our money is debt. It's credit. And unfortunately that that really hurts the working class, the middle class, because when they hit that money printer button, the money first goes to the people at the top and the big corporations and the people who can take out, you know, cheap financing and loans and then buy back their, their stocks. And it just creates this inequality. And so if we introduce something that is completely scarce that no one can control, it arguably will create a more fair, accessible society where people will have to compete for the value. Um, and I think that that will be ultimately more fair. You know, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to be equal because yeah. everyone has a different amount of motivation and skills, but it will be more fair in the sense that the money won't just go to the rich, <laughs> to the people, to the elites at the top and the people that are making the rules um, because they can change the rules at any given time. So, so Bitcoin is really, it's something that's based on rules and not rulers. Whereas to me, fiat and crypto are once again, rulers creating their own rules that you have to abide by and you have to risk, you know, your money that you worked so hard for. It's a really good approach because, and um, I mean, I have friends and family and also that, I mean, we all have this question, right? Like, how do we make the first approach? How do we start orange peeling yeah. people to make them understand in Bitcoin? It's quite challenging because there's a lot of mathematics and engineering. So, so, so. For sure. Uh, you have to know where to where to start. <laughs> how to yeah, well, so so many of us don't even question, right, where our money comes from yeah, and okay. who creates it and how much is there. And I think we take for granted, you know, we just we just kind of accept that things get more expensive. But Bitcoin forces you to ask the question, well, why? And is that the only way that things need to be? Why is it that every single year? You know, your house is getting older, but it's actually appreciating in value. Um, and it's worth, you know, twice as much as when you bought it a couple of years ago. Is, th- is that really the value of the house or is it there because there are so many more units in the system and the units have to go somewhere? Right. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, stocks, they're so expensive today, but are these companies actually worth that? Are they, are their earnings matching what their valuations are? No. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these companies aren't even profitable, but they're are able to secure so much financing because someone's just hitting the printer button. And so I think that that leads to a lot of issues in society, a lot of malinvestments and moral hazards. And the people who are close to the politicians get the first access and the politicians, you know, why are, why are these politicians who are supposed to be making an average salary? They're living in mansions. They have multiple homes here. They have stock portfolios that are worth $10 million. That means that the system is broken, right? Yeah, and, and and everybody, I think, realizes that. Like today, I believe that we have this kind of collective frustration and anxiety as 
citizens in many countries here in the u.s it's like you're either this team or that team you're red versus blue but people don't realize they're fighting about the wrong things they're they're fighting basically to elect people that are just going to continue that system because we're so far in debt what we need to address is actually the money it's the system itself so that they don't have so much power regardless of what party you elect uh, and I think the more that we fight for that, the more that we will have a chance to, you know, raise the individual back up as opposed to these, you know, classes of elites. Uh, a personal question about Bitcoin. Um, what has been what has Bitcoin contributed the most for you in your life? Um, <laughs> I, I would I would say I would say two things. Knowledge. I've never learned so much. It's like an endless quest for knowledge because it takes you down the paths of not just, you know, finance and the history of money, but also philosophy and politics and mm. um, how we interact as as humans, psychology. And I, I just love all of those intersections of different schools of thought. And it just it's Bitcoin is very thought provoking in a very, very good way. And then the second thing is the people. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes as you get older, maybe I just, maybe it was just me feeling this way, but I felt like it was hard to meet people that had similar values. I felt like mm -hmm. sometimes I was the the odd man out and everyone else thought one way. And I was just the weird, crazy person that was a little bit more traditional. Uh, and now I found a room of people who think a lot of the same things that I do and believe that the future can be much better than it is today and push one another and challenge one another. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of a community that challenges me and, and always makes me aspire to do more, to be more and to, to learn as much as I can. And um, how do you see, do you think that in the, well, not the, actually not in the near future, but it could be, but do you see uh, a real Bitcoin adoption in the near future? Like maybe, I don't know, five years, 10 years or, yeah. or what, or what are the challenges to be uh to adopt bitcoin and i definitely i definitely see it as as gaining adoption very quickly um you know i'm trying to share the stories that are outside of our sort of privileged point of view here in the us i want to share the stories of in other countries why it's so important as both a medium of exchange and a store of value right now and why it's helping them escape some of the issues that they're facing in their governments. Um, so I see it expanding rapidly, not only in different countries, but also here in the US, you know, it, back in the 90s, when the internet came out, a lot of people were skeptical, there were people fighting mm -hmm. it, there were people who totally didn't believe in it. And then when it took off, it was like a rocket ship, right? Every company had to transform. Every business had to create a website. We all mm. went online and created our own, you know, social media platforms. And those grew so quickly. And imagine just how much our lives have changed since we had this super powered computer that now is in all of our pockets. And, you know, this wasn't around just 20 years ago. Mm. And so in the next 20 years, I can only imagine the transformation and the adoption, um, of Bitcoin. And, and I think the, the message that we just need to remind people, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, oh, Bitcoin's too expensive. I can't own a Bitcoin. So I'm going to go into these other tokens and all of that. We need to constantly remind people that you can buy a so dollar 
or a peso or a euro worth of Bitcoin, you just start accumulating as much as you can. And we should maybe start talking more about Satoshi's, you know, sats uh, so that people don't feel like they're they're behind because they're not. We're all very early. How do you how do you approach to the people and in real life about Bitcoin? Or another question will be better. Uh, how do you orange orange build your family? <laughs> Yes. So I orange pulled my family with the Bitcoin standard in Polish. Mm -hmm. So I sent, uh, I sent that to my mom and my dad and they're still, you know, it's hard for them because not only did they grow up very distrustful of almost everything. Um, my mom was a gold bug, but she likes things that are physical. So she's, mm -hmm. she's still, you know, I think for a lot of people, the idea that you know, Bitcoin can't be hacked, but you have to be very protective of your Bitcoin. If you become your own bank and you self-custody, there's a lot of responsibility, right? And so I think for her generation, it's a little bit more intimidating and scary. The idea that if you lose your seed phrase or you compromise the security of your Bitcoin in some way, it could be gone forever. Um, and, and there's no backstop. There's no federal, mm -hmm. you know, FDIC insurance where you're going to get your, your money back up to a certain level. So I just think it's really important to, to help people, you know, understand the options that are out there. Um, multi-sig is really important, you know, just to make sure that there's no one central point of failure and getting that word out. Um, and I think we'll do that. You know, it's a, it's a slow and steady march of education and, and helping people down that path. Uh, okay, so uh, before we start in this podcast, I told you that we were going to play a little yes. game. And yes. We have uh, around seven minutes of, of the interview, so it has okay. to be short questions. <laughs> so okay. the, the deal is rock, paper, scissors. We're going to have three questions. Okay. And the, the loser picked the question and the, of course answered the question and the winner asked the question. Okay. But it has to be short because we okay. have little. Food. Okay. So. Okay. We show it. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. One. Let's do it the three. Okay. okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Ah, okay. Draw and the other one. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay, one and one, <laughs> one, and, one and one. Okay, so okay. I, I sent you the link before. Yes. Okay, so check. Uh, do you have it? Yes. Yes. Okay, can you open the the website? Yep, I have it up. Do you want uh, me to ask or you ask? No, 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 because you have to to pick a a, a number, but don't read it. <laughs> Just pick oh, okay. A, Just I pick, pick a, a number. number. Um, I'm gonna pick seven. Okay, seven, and I'm gonna pick uh, nineteen. So okay. I, uh, you're going first, so I, I'm going to ask you. Oh, okay. this is you said seven, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, this is actually this. It's quite easy because I already saw it. iPhone, iPhone or Android, and why? Uh, <laughs> well, I have an iPhone. Um, yeah, I have an iPhone. I don't know. I I like the apps. Um, I'm concerned about the privacy. I'm concerned about all the big tech companies, but this is the this is the easiest one. Um, it's so funny you mentioned Whitney Webb earlier. She's made me so paranoid about like everything I do online and on apps. So I'm yeah. you know downloading all the encrypted applications and all of that because I think we need to be very 
you know, cognizant and, and aware of what we're putting out there, but I just, it's so easy to use. So I'm going to say iPhone. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm using iPhone. So and you my... said 19? Yeah, <laughs> I read it, read it. Oh gosh. Where, <laughs> where are you ticklish? I'm <laughs> ticklish behind the neck. Okay. <laughs> People said that would that my feet that... for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> we have uh, yeah, we have around five minutes of let's just wrap it up. But okay. before that, uh what are you your goals for this year? Your personal goals for this year? Um I you know, I I I would say my goals are twofold. I would love to grow the show and just get more people who don't understand Bitcoin at all to at least be curious and and you know start asking the questions and maybe get off of the a zero percent allocation. So I'd like to, you know, bring people in who are just totally new. And then my second is to um you know, I, I'm guilty of that American sin of working too hard, <laughs> too much. I don't, um, especially with Bitcoin, you know, it's so funny. I picked two careers, news and Bitcoin that never sleep 24 seven. Bitcoin that doesn't, you know, turn off. <laughs> so I really need to be better about taking some time to recharge, get off of Twitter, get off of all of the, you know, social media and, and just the internet in general and just relax a little bit and enjoy real life. <laughs> um, no, so it can be the rabbit hole in Bitcoin Twitter is a wonderful thing, but it can be very time consuming. So I would love to just, you know, take some trips this year, you know, spend quality time with my family that's now close by and and friends and just be off of the internet for a little bit. So that's my goal. You have to go to Barcelona to come to Barcelona and go to yes. Salvador. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Natalie, uh, thank you very much for the interview and thank you very much for your time. And uh, again, congratulations with your podcast. It's amazing and really inspiring. Thank you so much for having me and good luck with the show. Thank you very much.